0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Family Business Today podcast, where every family business has a story to tell and a step to take to not only thrive, but working together, create a lasting family legacy. I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guests today are John and Daniel Stewart. John Stewart is the founder and CEO of Stewart Leadership, which he started back in 1980 Under his guidance, Stewart Leadership is recognized internationally for its feedback assessments, training tools, and solid results-focused coaching services designed to guide teams and individuals to adapt, grow, and reach new levels of performance. John has coached and trained tens of thousands of leaders worldwide, including CEOs, presidents, military, government, and business leaders, resulting in significant measured improvement in individual and team performance. John lives with his wife, Deborah, near Portland, Oregon, and has four sons and 16 grandchildren. Daniel Stewart is a sought-after talent management and leadership development consultant and coach with proven experience advising senior leaders, leading change, and designing leadership-rich organizations. He leads Stewart Leadership's extensive consulting practice, business development, and international partnerships. Daniel lives near Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with his wife, Katie, and their four children. Well, hello, John and Daniel. I am so glad that you could join me today for this edition of Family Business
1: Today. Greg, it's a pleasure. We're delighted to be with you.
0: Well, thank you, John. I've really been looking forward to hearing uh, your advice for business leaders on how to adapt, grow and reach new levels of performance for their family business. Now, we have with us John and Daniel uh, Stewart today, and so I'm, I'm going to be asking questions. Uh, you can feel free for either one of you or for both of you to jump in wherever, uh, but uh, uh, we do look forward to hearing uh, your uh, uh, wise advice for our family business uh, listeners. So, John, Daniel, you have a unique experience of working with many businesses, some of them family businesses all over the world. What led you to a career of teaching and coaching leadership and management
1: development? Well, Greg, let me, let me start that off. First of all, it is just a joy to be with my oldest son of our four boys that Deborah and I have raised. And the, the thrill, as many in your audience know, is having the pleasure and the privilege of working with immediate family. Um, it's one thing to be able to enjoy raising them and then associating with them as adult children, but to have them actually as partners, colleagues, employees in the family business is just a joy and that's where I am right now at this stage of my life. Daniel has been with our business for what about 10-12 years and then our his younger brother Peter our our psychologist has been with us for about 8 or 10 and then we have a lot of employees throughout the country and the world but that's where we are. Started out years ago where I was in the 70s working with a company called Lockheed and I headed up all their leadership development, taught their executive institutes. And our four sons, (laughs) whether they asked for it or not, were the ones who pulled together on a a, a Friday night before dad hit the airport. They assembled all of the binders. Back then we used all these three ring binders. They pulled together. My wife did all of the assessments pre-computer on her Texas Instruments uh, pocket calculator. And it was just literally a family business. The boys grew up with it. Daniel, you have every right to rebut on this, but what is your recollection?
2: <laughs> no, this is it's spot on. I mean, from the moment we were little kids, we had uh, motivational quotes up around. Uh, we would hear about stories of leaders who were doing good things and leaders who were doing bad things. You know, the things that they could improve upon and ways to help build teams and lead people better and communicate better i i will often tell the the story of i guess if my dad was like an engineer we would have grown up with you know topic talking about thermodynamics or building bridges or constructing things but no we would have talks over the dinner table around leadership and communication and and situational behavior and you know all of these things and and vivid memories of having all these binders for seminars out and us making sure that all of the handouts were perfectly organized because we knew that the client needed to have zero errors with everything we helped my dad deliver. And so this was ingrained in us at an early age.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, all of us who have family businesses have similar stories. My, my wife, uh, Jennifer, who is the uh, president of our company, is a family counselor. So she and your, your psychiatrist son can have a great conversation. And we had three daughters who all grew up uh, in uh, our family businesses and understand the importance of, of getting it right and of, of having good leadership. Well, Daniel, you talked a little bit about um, uh, your uh, the things that you did when you were young to help your dad to be successful, but give us a little bit of more about your story on your journey to join your dad at Stewart Leadership. Did he just one day say, uh, son, I want you to join the business? Or did he say, go out and see the world, learn, and then come back and join the business?
2: tell us a little bit about your, your journey. Yeah, of course, uh, and uh, it really was not like this uh, perfectly orchestrated early plan necessarily. Um, I, I just grew to be very interested in all of this um, and that we kept talking about, but I knew I wanted to also study other things, and, and so I actually went to school and studied international relations mm. and international business, and And then shortly afterwards, I thought, what do I want to do with this? I don't want to work for the Foreign Service. Um, And business has always been the area that I've really kind of gravitated to, of course, hearing the hundreds of experiences that my dad has provided. And, And after a master's degree in this, I wanted to gain some additional perspective around the corporate being an internal person. And so worked for several large corporations doing organization effectiveness and change management And it was around that time that my dad and I started an effort to write a book and it's called Lead Now. And this is actually what's in its second edition just published last year. And so it was a fun kind of side effort. And after a few years of that, it was one of those moments that I'm like, do I leave the corporate space and go join my dad and and build this thing up further? And that's really how it evolved. And as my dad and I would keep talking off and on, It just made sense about nine years ago or so, leaving the corporate world and venturing on my own with my dad and now building it up with lots of great folks we partner with throughout the world. Dad, is is that your recollection too?
1: (laughs) Daniel, naturally I'm smiling and amused at your recollection. I'm glad that Greg asked that question. And I know that Greg and Jennifer can relate to everything we went through with their three daughters. Uh, You know, uh, Greg, as parents, and I know your listeners will, will buy into this. If for example, your uh, Jennifer, your wife wanted one of her daughters to be interested in a particular young man maybe in high school, the last thing, the worst thing that a parent can do is encourage it. So what do you have to do? You have to say, I never want to see you talking to or don't you ever have any interaction with and then naturally the young person's curiosity. Well, uh, I, I made sure Greg, I never, Deborah and I never encouraged our four sons to follow in their dad's footsteps. I know that happened with my grandpa, with, with my dad, and it just didn't work out that well. So yeah. they were part of it, but there was never an expectation that they were to follow. I yeah. wanted them to do whatever interested them just to be the best at it that they could. But as it, what a blessing it has been for all of them to be inclined toward this arena to, to the point where they actually wanted to join me and were thrilled. That's great. That's great. Well,
0: uh, yeah. Well, um, uh, Daniel, I, uh, I have a degree in international relations uh, uh, as well <laughs> and ended up working in uh, our family businesses and manufacturing supply chain for uh, most of my career. So I, I understand that. I understand it. Well, well let's let's continue on with a little bit of that. You know, I like would like to all say that um, uh, everything's perfect uh, when working in a family business uh, versus working out in the in the world, but um, what what is really the most important part of working successfully in a family business, uh, John? If you could, from the standpoint of a founder, and uh, and Daniel, from the standpoint of a next generation leader in a family
1: business. Sure, Greg. What I th- I think is the key for all of us and your listeners is to recognize each of our own strengths individually, and then leverage or capitalize on them. Don't expect others to have your strengths, recognize theirs, find a place for them. As a quick example, I I left the company that I was employed in the seventies because I wanted to start my own business by the time I was 30. And so I started it and it was pretty much a one person show for decades. And I was global with this work and leadership that I loved and was fascinated with. And then it occurred to me that I was a little tired of all the international travel. I've been to Australia and Hong Kong eight times in a 12 month period, that was just too much. So I thought, let's start to put this together. And that's when I asked Daniel to help me author some of these books. And I did some of my own, but that just started to really increase our customer interest. And I knew that I couldn't do this alone. so. I extended the invitation to Daniel, who was very risk avoidance. He was uh, setting up some leadership universities for other organizations, had his own business, his own field. And then he came on board. And then his younger uh, brother, Peter, also joined a couple years later. To your point then, Greg, I have no ability to build an organization. That's why I was pretty much me for 30 years, essentially. Mm -hmm. They came in. They have the skill that I'm in awe of to be able to build and organize and grow a, a, a company. And I'm, I'm just thrilled with that. I don't get in their way. I support them. I don't question them. We have wonderful chats. The three of us meet four times a year just for two or three days to go through every aspect of the business. But I, I truly admire what they bring to the business that I can't and didn't. And so we don't overlap. We recognize each other's swim lanes and talents and appreciate and acknowledge that. Daniel, I don't know if you wanna to add to that.
2: Yeah, sure, you you said it really well. And one of the things that really makes a family business special is the f- level of familiarity that we have with each other and an appreciation of what we can bring. Um, and back to your question, one of the biggest things to then focus on is that communication. Uh, and just as my dad was mentioning, We've really, from, from several years ago, started a pattern of regular quarterly deep dive summits that we would do to be able to deep dive into the business and really talking things through and looking at things from a variety of different angles. And, and that's allowed us to really help keep that communication open and fluid to be able to help make good decisions and, and figure out how to leverage each of, each of all of our strengths and working together together. Um, and and there's just this level of harmony that we strive to achieve as we then work to the business. So anyway, I, th- lots of different comments there, but yes, this level of familiarity which just helps
0: a lot. Oh yes, well I appreciate you saying that, and what you're basically saying is is that uh, communications is the key uh, to 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 all things. Well, we like to say that there are three three things that. Uh, pr- problems that we need to work on in a family business. That's communications, communications, and communications. Uh, people just aren't talking. People just aren't talking. So, uh, I think that. Well, well, going along that same line, uh, uh, what do successful family businesses have in common from a leadership perspective?
1: Let me let me take a stab at that, Daniel. Then you can add to it. Probably, yeah. it's no different than a, a, a non-family business. In other words. What are the expectations? And how are they clarified? Then what is the accountability factor that's established in there? Someone asked me just this last weekend as I was teaching a class here in the DC area, John, what is your definition of leadership? And I said to them, you know, it's probably not the traditional. It's probably not the one that you're expecting to come out of my mouth. It is merely this. To me, effective leadership is relationship-based. The strength or weakness of the relationships that we have with others is going to have a direct influence on the impact of our leadership, which means the stronger that I have a relationship with anybody, a customer, a family member, a partner, a colleague, whatever it may be, the more likely it is that he or she will remind each of us that we all have good intentions, that we're trying to do the best we can, let's clarify communications, let's stay close and keep our ideas and our tongues wagging together so that we can be able to deliver together in an open, comfortable way. The Mm -hmm. weaker the relationship, the more it impacts negatively that communication aspect that you're talking about.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and something I would add in terms of a uniqueness for helping a family business be successful is to really leverage the, the level of passion and ownership that exists. Because I tell you, when your name is on the company, there is that added level of of desire to just make sure that it is dang good and that everything happens really really well and and that you treat people well you you deliver the right services and approaches to clients and to leverage that passion and ownership which often knows no bounds you know there's no boundaries uh, which again is a pro and a con that every family business gets to manage through cuz over Thanksgiving or Christmas or Sunday night, whatever it is, you can still be talking about all of the business stuff. And so it's figuring out how to then organize and orchestrate that, that passion and desire to keep things going really, really well.
0: Very good, very good. Well, uh, uh, just a lo- little bit uh, deeper uh, on that. What, from your experience, what, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses Uh, you've found uh, in a family businesses from a a teamwork perspective, because not only sometimes we think there's just family members involved, but there could be uh, a few uh, or hundreds of non-family members in there. What, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of family business from a teamwork perspective? And what are some things, advice you might give to some of our listeners?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Dad, maybe I'll just jump in with a quick example. And one of the things that, so we do a lot of consulting, coaching, and training work. And one of the the interesting points is when a client knows a steward, and they have, say, worked with my dad for many years. And at some point, we want to introduce them to a non-steward, somebody else, a, a great consultant or a great coach. Mm-hmm. And that introduction, that transition, that is where we handle it with great care and sensitivity and honoring the level of friendship and bonding and existing levels of trust. Um, and, and being very sensitive to not do, do that too quickly, but to honor and respect, uh, respect that. So we pay a lot of attention to those transition introduction points and even recognizing, hey, okay, you may be working with a non steward here, but we totally believe in this consultant. They are fantastic. We are here to support you. How are you feeling about this? Let's keep checking in. Let's. So that is one of those points of of high sensitivity that we spend a lot of time and care around. Right, and of course, John, having
0: been in the business for. 30 years, a lot of the uh, companies may, he may be the person that they've known as the face of the company and the voice of the company. And so being able to uh, have others, both family members and non family members, that, to receive the same kind of respect and uh, 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 from, from companies or potential uh partners is very very important so i, I appreciate that we well, you, you talked about transitioning let's 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 transition uh to transition planning uh for just a few minutes here so statistics show that only about 30% of family owned businesses successfully transition to the second generation and even less beyond that what do you believe is the primary reason for that
1: wow you know i daniel mentioned the word passion hmm you've you've got to keep the passion going what was it within me this young kid with with at the time two little boys and you know we're, you're struggling as as any young couple to pay the mortgage to keep the debts under control to leave why would I leave a fortune 50 company where I had a good job good relationship with senior mm-hmm. management wonderful opportunities and go out on my own and this was 19. 19- 80 and who would have known that two years later we had a major recession and you just never can predict these things. No, The passion that I had, as risk averse as I was though as a person, the passion I had to cut the strings to the security of a large corporation, that regular weekly paycheck. Now I look back and say, John, you were nuts, but yet I wanted to do it. And that passion passion was kept alive. And the boys, I believe, felt it, sensed it, picked up on it as they grew up. So they took that same zeal for the love of what they were doing into their own work to the point where the two eldest have joined me and we are trying to help those and we believe we've been successful at it who are non-stewards, we have dozens who have joined us. So they feel the same passion Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't be in this field and that the customer, the clients, that relationship is so crucial to us because it is more than just a client business relationship. We truly care about them as individuals and what they are doing and what they need from us and what we can provide. That passion is there to the point where, Greg, given my age, you don't have to do the math, but I could have, should have retired years ago. But this is my golf. This is my, sure. this is my retirement. I'm never going to lose this. I may go to my grave still doing this kind of work because I absolutely love it. The boys have picked up on that. And if they hadn't, they would have wanted to go off into another field, whether it was law or dentistry or business of some other type, but they have picked it up and sensed on it, but I've never forced it down their throats. If they didn't have it, I wouldn't have let them join.
0: Very good. So uh, let's talk about that. If so, if one of our listeners is a now gen, uh John, uh, uh, in uh, leader of the business, founder of the business, whatever, but they want to transfer their business to the next generation. What is the most important thing that they can do right now to ensure a successful transition to the
1: next generation? I don't think it's the legal. I don't think it's the financial. I think it's the zeal that they sense within the next generation to want to continue what's established and grow it. If it is not there, I fear and predict it will end badly. And and if they don't see that kind of zeal, and again, the word passion and energy and commitment, why even go through all of the steps? I just fear it's not gonna work out that well. Many try to just hope that things will turn around, but you know, we devote so much of our time to our work, and if our heart isn't in it, how long can that last? I have seen too many family organizations fizzle with a grace of expectations by the founder or the parents and it just begins to deteriorate and you can't keep that spark alive
2: yeah and i i would just add a couple of comments really around identity and legacy and for a founder to be able to have really honest conversations with him or herself around what is that identity and legacy they they want to leave and to make room within that legacy for somebody else to contribute, to continue to build on it, not in a way that they could do it, but in a way that somebody else could do it. And that's where it's really, really hard because then it starts opening up a potential for somebody else and their strengths, which may be different than the founders, but to have that true reflection around identity and legacy and carving out that that empty, that open space for somebody else to continue it, but to do it in a slightly different way, that. That is one of the, the great challenges as we even work with clients of family businesses, to be able to allow that enough flexibility and openness um, to be able to then transition well. Otherwise, just as you quoted, it's uh, really hard to be successful.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Let me just add to that, Greg. There's something Daniel just said that, that caught my attention, and I think is really salient here. He talks. Daniel talks about give space. I firmly believe that I had in my mind the path and the steps on that path to take Stuart leadership where it is, where it would be. But when the boys came in and joined me, they had their own ideas. Mm-hmm. I listened to it. I understood it. I sensed it. I respected it. There's no way in the world that I, as dad, as parent, am gonna force my view, my steps on how it should be to them. They're the ones that are gonna take the ball and run with it. They have a right to personalize and tailor it as they see fit. And I need to respect that and begin to stand out of the way and let them be able to contribute so they feel that they are committed, that they have a sense of personal ownership, that they are making a contribution. That I think is critical in a family business.
0: So a uh, question I ask uh, John uh, uh, and Daniel as well is, can can a family business successfully transition when the now gen or the founder uh, 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 remains involved uh, in the business?
1: Go for it, Daniel.
2: <laughs> oh, well, I, I was just going to say it, uh, yes, with a lot of caveats around yes. that. Mm-hmm. And, and really the caveats, as I mentioned, in terms of letting, being willing to let go and, and to open and have that space for others to contribute as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's the, that's the biggest difference. I, I will also say there needs to be some very clear legal and financial uh, components that are openly discussed with some expert opinions involved as mm-hmm. well. Um, and frankly, through that conversation, sometimes, and I've seen other family businesses, that's where the best approach is actually a, a clear division of the founder then steps away or a role is identified and everybody recognizes what that is and people are comfortable with that. The point is to make sure there's understanding and agreement around the roles Um Otherwise, if people just keep trying to do the same thing, that's where the roadblocks. It's just like two two different cars going down, and they're just going to veer into each other at some point, and it ain't pretty.
0: Right, right. Well, I know uh, we're we're all uh, family business advisors, leadership uh, development uh, folks, and one of the questions that uh, family business owners, founders especially, say to me is this. Greg, why does it have to be so darn difficult? And um, uh, one of the things that uh, find out find is is that having an unbiased outside advisor to walk you through all of this uh, legal, uh, leadership, uh, emotional, organizational uh, challenges is so very important. Any any thoughts uh, from you from you uh, as far as this idea of, of unbiased advisor role uh, in a family business transition.
1: Greg, there's nothing like receiving and welcoming and soliciting feedback from an outsider as well as those internally. And I think a lot of it, we can point to ourselves. How open are we maybe as a parent, as a, a dad, as a founder of a family business, to welcoming and receiving feedback from our sons, our daughters, our family members? Are we naturally defensive? Are we justifying or rationalizing what it is we're hearing from them? And yet they're probably just secretly hoping to the heavens that they can get a message across to mom or dad that maybe what mom and dad did then back years ago worked, but it's no longer the best way. And they, the younger generation sees it. See, Mm -hmm. I'd hate like anything to be a block to that progress that I'm blinding myself to thinking my way was the only way. Mm-hmm. Often an outsider can point this out in a very obje- objective way, professional way, but also what about the internal family communication? And a lot of it, I really believe, starts with the old generation keeping their mouths shut, their ears open, and a genuine face of, tell us, what is it that we can back away from, do differently? Mm-hmm. In this business, sure, I'm the CEO, but I've turned the reins over to the business, to Daniel in particular. He's mm-hmm. our president. Mm-hmm. and I defer to him on those kinds of issues. We have a lot of communication, discussion back and forth, but he is closer to the majority of the generations in the working world today sure. than I am. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, there's a song out there and I won't sing it cause I sing terribly, but it, uh, the first line of it is, "Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And as a founder, as a founder uh, of a business or the now gen, you really have to be humble. And uh, I know in my work with family businesses, when someone tells me that, uh, Greg, you're so humble. I used to would have thought over it, but today I say is thank you, uh, you know, because that's really uh, humbleness is something you have to have. So thanks for sharing that, uh, John. I appreciate that. Well, you mentioned earlier uh, about uh, eating and, you know, eating is an important part of the American family tradition. Uh, what does your family talk about around the Sunday dinner table?
2: That's a, a great question. Um, so I, I can. I guess I can jump in and answer it two ways. One is when I was growing up, um, and then the other way is what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, growing up, and frankly, even when we gather together with us as adults, um, occasionally we'll do business stuff. But frankly, we've tried to get more into the habit of talking about other family and each other and yeah. the relationships and church and. These sorts of things to be able to make sure that it's a a broader set of um, experiences and conversation. Um, yes, we it, inevitably it might get into business, but we have learned over the years uh, to quickly try to keep it not related to business. Um, we have a family reunion every year in the. Uh, we have a ranch out in Utah. Actually, we go to and and we try not to discuss business. It's just kind of one of those unwritten rules so that we can enjoy. One is not everybody is part of the business and two, let's do other things as well. So maybe that's what that, your great question is, is getting at, but it's, yes, business is always there under the surface, but sure. let's also focus on all of the, the other great things in life uh, that we can talk about. And that's true in my own family as well. Dad, anything to add to that one?
1: You've said it well, Daniel, just put boundaries on how often that business wants to sneak its way into so many conversations. Yeah, Daniel, your mother gave me advice, my wife, Deborah, years ago at the beginning of those family reunions, before you all arrived, she would say to me, especially 10 years ago or nine years ago, when it started to become involving you guys, she'd say, John, try to limit the business talk, okay? And she meant that lovingly, but she was right. And then because only those who are directly involved and have the passion that maybe you two boys and I would have would be interested, but what about the rest? So put boundaries on how often that business is talked about so it doesn't become maybe resented by some or overly involving the principal players. Bring everybody else into it, into aspects and subjects that they care about. Thank you, thank you.
0: So uh, what does the future look like for you, John? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love this work. It is again is my passion. Is there? I love helping individuals in any industry globally improve their leadership skills. And that leadership skill again is so relationship based to improve their relationships because it it spills over not in the only in the workplace but in home as well through their their marriage, their partnership, raising children, whatever it might be. And that's why we're excited about the model of leadership that we developed years ago that we've now explained in our newly released Lead Now book that Daniel and I are having a great time enjoying sharing with all kinds of past clients and future clients, because it does break down that whole leadership notion into our dimensions and the quadrants of a complete leader. And that's why we're just thrilled to be able to continue. I will never retire. I will continue to write and promote because through books and speeches and our data analysis, how we can help organizations, which means how do we help leaders improve the lives of others within those organizations. Life's too short to be miserable. (laughs) And I I think it's reasonable to try to help people become happier through their relationships and the productivity and performance will then result in a very high way.
0: Well, we're very clear about what your future has in store, John, and I look forward to to uh, watching it uh,
2: develop. Uh, so, Daniel, how about you? Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a fun ride, frankly, to dive into true leadership and continue to build it up, and working with my dad and my brother and so many other great folks. And frankly, that's what I want to keep doing. Um, I get to wear two hats. One hat is working with a few clients of my own, and the other is the entrepreneurial growing the business, and mm-hmm. you know between those two hats, there are enough problems and challenges <laughs> to keep one keep one going for a while and, <laughs> and that's that's where I would see myself Oh well, that's great, that's great well uh, uh, what are some closing
0: thoughts uh, you would like to share with our listeners today?
1: go ahead, Daniel
2: Oh sure I, I just wanted to emphasize that. You know, we've talked a lot about business aspects, especially when a family business, but at the end of the day, you love your dad, you love your mom, you love your brothers, and uh, that's what really comes first. And so that's what is both the beautiful part and also, you know, an additional wrinkle, so to speak, in many of the decisions. Because at the end of it all, I mean, I love my dad and it's been a, a pleasure to learn from him and so many of his strengths and how successful he's done it and, and uh, a privilege to build on what he has really started. And so that's really just acknowledging and recognizing that that degree of love and, and affection and, and care is really important at the end of the day.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Daniel, John. Daniel, that means a lot to me. That was very sweet. And it was emotionally touching. I appreciate that as I know Greg can relate in his own world. I think Greg to answer that I would suggest that, and I'm talking to myself as a founder of a family business, but any parent or any family who the leaders are, respect each other's point of view. Often we get so carried away with our own preferences, our own ways of thinking, we forget that there are others that are just as valid and we need to open up to those and seek them through a good conversation, especially listening more than talking, What are their points of view, and why do they feel so strongly, and do we dare shut them off? Do we have a blind spot for that tendency in our listening skills or our behavior? I would have hurt this business badly if I had shut down Daniel and Peter years ago, and then where would their heart and their willingness to want to work with me be? I need to respect and find out what they think, why they think that way, respect it, and let them go with it, and look what they've done as a result, and I couldn't be prouder. That's
0: great. That's great. Well, you know, it has been a joy to spend time with you, John Daniel, and thank you so much for being my guest on our Family Visitor Day podcast. Please accept our best best wishes for continued success for you and for Stuart Leadership. You can find out more about John and Daniel and Stuart Leadership and their many publications, webinars, and their resources by visiting their website at www.stewartleadership.com. They mentioned their book uh, recently, uh, uh, Lead Now, a personal coaching guide for results-driven leaders. And you can go to amazon.com to purchase a copy of that.
1: Greg, it's a pleasure. We wish you and your listeners the best. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. To our listeners,
0: thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located In Nashville, Tennessee, our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute, no-cost call by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. So until next time, thanks for joining us.